Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So let's talk some AEW news. AE, and this is going to be a full AEW show. We got to talk about AEW moving to TBS. Roger, do you think this is a, a big thing that's going to be happening? Or do you think it might hurt um, AEW from moving over there? I think it's a great move. Uh, a couple things. TNT, especially during kind of the May season, is very basketball focused. That's their primary move. TBS is not. TBS's big thing has always been that they're in bigger homes. You know, they're actually bigger than TNT, which is weird because as a Nitro fan, I grew up thinking TNT was the larger one. Um, but their big thing really is that they do Braves baseball and they don't have the basketball commitment. So AEW won't get preempted anymore. They should be fine to stay in their Wednesday slam slot or whatever they negotiate. And it's going to be in more homes. Like, I, that's just a great thing for AEW in, in general to be moving up because it shows that Turner is committed to them and that is always good news and, and doug do you know the reasoning why they moved to tbs besides the nba uh the nhl uh, signed a deal with tnt so they are going to be showing some nhl games they're on now so it is uh I, I also thought it was the basketball for the initial reason but then following up on it found out that it is actually nhl so i'm happy that nhl is going to get some some broadcasting time but like roger i thought tnt was the bigger network not tbs so i'm surprised to see that tbs is the bigger network and i'm happy for that then all right so aaron we got to talk about the fact that they're that aew is actually going to be competing with smackdown uh here shortly so what are your thoughts on the fact that they're that they're going to start competing which i find fascinating yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things is when they were talking about having a Friday show uh, this August, which is called Rampage, that's going to be competing against SmackDown. And while SmackDown is WWE's, you know, you could say B show, really, it's kind of been their A show. That's when, like, I watch SmackDown way more than I watch Raw, like, or I pay closer attention to SmackDown, I should say, than Raw. And I think Rampage... It, they really have to have this is something that, uh, that uh, Eric Bischoff has said, and I agree with it, is you need to have a very specific identity. Raw has a sp- specific identity, which is bad. SmackDown has a specific <laughs> identity, which is Roman Reigns right now. That's fine. You know, like that's great. But they have an identity. And I, I feel like uh, Dynamite has its own identity right now. Rampage needs to be focused in on something. They need to like focus in on women's or tag teams or, you know, high flyers or something I, I feel that would set it apart from just uh, dynamite because otherwise it's just a supplemental product. In which case I can just watch, uh, I, I can watch dynamite and get everything I need versus like, oh, I need to watch dynamite to get this. But you know what? Rampage has these other matches going on or these other storylines developing that are really fascinating. So I really do hope that they do that because otherwise, honestly, I kind of feel like the Wednesday night, which they did very well in against NXT, I feel like against SmackDown, it ratings wise, it might not be very good. That's my that's my guess. So from what I have heard and understood is the reason they're going to do a Friday show is because they want to make the uh pay-per-views that they do is a more of a, a weekend event kind of thing so that you're not just coming for the saturday show you, you need something else um so they wanted to do friday night tapings but then you can't do a friday night taping that is going to be 
a Wednesday show before the pay-per-view that you're about to watch. So uh, I think that had a little bit to do with it. They wanted to amp up the weekend and make it a full weekend event uh, for people who are traveling. Uh, the other thing I know uh, Tony Khan has said is that they they couldn't showcase all the wrestlers that they wanted to on just one show a week. And that's why they came out with Dark so that other people can, one, wrestle, uh, but B, just so because they're not necessarily wrestling anywhere else. They're not doing like house shows or anything uh, to make sure that Ring Rust is in the thing. That's why they had Dark and then they became Dark Ultimate um and now rampage so i'm kind of curious if both those shows are going to stay on youtube or if they're going to just dial them back i know that uh dark has gone from like being just a an hour-long thing to almost like two to three hours long and you know it makes my third shift go by pretty quick when i just i put it on a, a time and a half speed and just listen to it while i uh while i work but um so I'll be interested to see uh, what they do with Rampage, but they, uh, like Aaron said, they need to do something specific to make it its own show, to make it its own uh, showcase of something or this. Um, but with their women division actually growing in, in size, I, I think that would be a great thing to see them showcase a little bit more of the women division on uh, a broadcast. Yeah, so a couple things. I think it, I think it is going to take the place of what Dark was before. So you're going to kind of cannibalize a lot of those matches into Dark and get more exposure for guys who aren't getting the time on Dynamite because they have a big roster. Like they have a lot of storylines going, and those are all good things. But there's a lot of people you can say like Team Taz doesn't get nearly the focus that it could deserve. But on a show like Rampage, they could be the main event. You can have a ton of number one contenders matches. Things like the okay, hey, the winner is going to go on to Dynamite in two weeks. Things like that that they love to do. And also the one thing I give them credit for that that he doesn't do is that wins and losses matter. So these matches actually are building to something. When you see someone like a Jade Cargill and she's winning, racking up wins and wins and wins on Rampage, there's a reason to watch and it matters. So they can start to really focus on that kind of undercard. They don't need to have the bucks on. I mean, I'm sure they'll have that week one where they go all out, but you don't need the bucks. You don't need Omega. You don't even need Hangman. Let the Will Hobbs of the world, let the Jade Cargills, um, Thunder Rosa, right? The people who are that next crop of stars, let them be the main event of Dynamite. If you want to have the TNT championship main event Dynamite, let Miro just go on an absolute rampage. Fine by me. But those are the kind of things that I think the secondary show should really focus on. It's not going to beat SmackDown because SmackDown, quite honestly, has its own identity and it's the tribal chief. Raw has its own identity, which is a dumpster fire. NXT has its own identity, which is a super indie. And then Dynamite has its own identity. Rampage is going to have its own thing, but they should be the supplement to Dynamite. Hey, we couldn't get all this in on Wednesday, so come watch on Friday. And also, Friday Night Heat is basically a great idea. Hey, you want to? This is going to be the pre-show to tomorrow's All Out or full or was it Full Gear? You know, all of those things where you put on those kind of undercard matches, kind of like Night One, Night Two, like what we see in WrestleMania, what we saw in Takeover. That's exactly what I would love to see Rampage the weekend of a pay-per-view. That's Night One. You see those great undercard matches, and everyone goes home happy, and then you come back the next night for the main that yeah and the one thing that i think that just the, having the four yearly pay-per-views is a big thing i mean you know with eight with wwe we're talking at least 12 a year and sometimes we'll have a couple more and that's not including nxt who puts on anywhere from five to six a year so what are those specials are they tnt class of the champions type specials like we used to get back in the day that's what they had said is that we're, they, it's going to be very similar to the clash of the champions, which I like that idea. I think that that's a smart idea. You know, when you, when you have, um, what is it? It's like fighter fest, a fight for the fallen, yep. um, uh, winner is to beach. Yeah. Like those, I actually, I like that idea because that way it, it feels special. And 
uh, you know, I don't like when they do like, hey, we're going to do it. It's going to be over the period of two weeks. It's like, no, come on, like, you know, just do it one week. You know, like this, this is the special, you know, you don't have like, hey, we're going to have a pay-per-view, but it's going to be over four different weeks. All right, guys, it's going to be every Monday for four Mondays <laughs> this month. Next month, there'll be another, four, you know, because, you know, anyway. The point being, though, I, I actually like this idea. You have your four pay-per-views, and then you have four specials on top of it. And you could have a title change. You know, you should have, you know, that's where you have a Jungle Boy take on uh, Kenny Omega in the main event. You know, like you build it up. That's where he takes them on at, you know. And and look, Dynamite, that's great. You watch and you still get some really quality, uh, uh, you know, episodes and quality matches there. But having these four extra specials, that makes it even more worth watching than what you already are seeing. And, Doug, I got to ask you about the upcoming pay-per-views in the area so where are they coming in the midwest uh they're going to be actually very close to us two times they're going to be all out in chicago and full gear in st louis um so this is very exciting for me as i live kind of in between both of them and it's very possible that i could go to both of them i've been vaccinated I, I deserve this, I think, after what we've been through. I, I, de- I deserve this. So When you um, say what we've been through, do you mean Monday Night Raw? Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it's been, <laughs> Is that not the disaster we were referencing? I'm sorry. I thought that's yeah. what we were talking about, like the biggest tragedy of 2020. Wasn't that when we were talking about Raw? Right. Side, side note. I saw Raw was going to be in Chicago or in the Chicago area. I started texting Doug, hey, do you want to go see Monday Night Raw in Chicago? And then I just deleted and didn't even text. <laughs> do you want to see? No, I don't even want to see this. Delete. No, I think I've, I've actually been spoiled because I've been asked before uh, why I don't go to the house show that is in Peoria. And I said, well... Do you want to go see batting practice for a major league baseball game? Well, no. Well, then I don't want to go see a house show for wrestling because that's all it is. It's just batting practice for their feuds and whatnot. And since I've been to enough pay-per-views now, I really don't feel like going to raw unless it's like a raw 1000. And I think that's the last raw I've been to. So, you know, unless it's a pay-per-view, I think I've kind of become elitist in that aspect, but uh, for, for my fear of anything like this right now, I have no fear of going to them. It, it is now just be kind, kind of become more of a uh, uh, just can I get the tickets and are they going to be affordable? Yeah, I am kind of cons- I'm curious about that, too. I, I was taking a look at some NFL tickets and stuff uh, since the Bears will be playing. And I was looking at some of the prices. It was pretty pretty crazy but that's nfl you know so it, it'll be fascinating to see uh i'm gonna try to get tickets for all out uh you know so we'll kind of see how that goes I, I full gear that's one where i know that i would have to get the tickets beforehand because you know they sell out very quickly that is a little bit of a drive but you know it's something i would i would consider but all out i i'm i'm eyeing uh going uh is all out the WrestleMania of AEW. I'm not sure what their big pay-per-view is. I've never really known. I think it's all out. All out, all in. One yeah. of those two. Yeah. I mean, Double or Nothing's a big one, but it never it felt more like a rumble than a mm-hmm. WrestleMania, if that made sense. And I don't know what like their Starcade, their WrestleMania, they're bound for glory. Like I don't know what their signature event is. I think it's all out, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I would say all out. I would guess all out. Yeah, so I'm actually excited about the pay coming in the area. We'll see. Uh, I, I may want to, I don't know about All Out still, but with uh, full gear, with a p- possibility of Omega dropping the title, I kind of wouldn't mind going to that one. But 
All Out is in Chicago, and uh, I have a place to crash. So, <laughs> right, Aaron? <laughs> but anyways, let's, speaking of pay-per-views, let's just go right into uh, the, the latest pay-per-view, uh, the latest pay-per-view, which is Double or Nothing 2021. So, Adam Page opens it up with Brian Cage. Uh, Aaron, what did you think about this opening match? Um, I thought it was good. So, you know, it's funny. After um, we did our picks, and I I think I don't know who else picked Cage. Uh, I, I did, though. And when I did that, I did it with a under the auspice of, like, he really needs to get a big win. And then when they were talking about the storyline, it was, it was like, oh, he beat Page earlier. And I was like, oh, crap. You know, this is, you know, he's got it. Obviously, Page has to get his win back. Like, that was a dumb, dumb pick on my part. But I still think that Cage giving him a win would have helped out. But Adam Page, this does give him an opportunity. It, it, it's building him up, up more so that way he can go after more titles if he wants to go after a world or, you know, let's say he wants to go after the TNT title. You know, that does give him an opportunity to challenge Miro saying like, hey, look, I beat Brian Cage. I deserve a shot. Uh, you know, so it was a good match, though. Um, you know, I like uh, I, I think Adam Page is I don't want to say he's underrated, but he is a he's a highlight to watch. He really is. So for me, it was the aspect of I didn't want to do 50-50 booking, and I know that's something that AEW was trying not to do also. Uh, I also picked Brian Cage, but on the premise of the fact that the big thing that Cage beating Page uh, was, oh, I'm sorry, I got to say their, their actual first names too, because there are two different Cages, and there are two different Pages. So Brian beating Adam, uh, I, I thought he was going to do it again just due to the fact that the, the arc was that Adam Page was the number one contender going into that match. He was the number one ranked uh, to, to go face Omega. He gets beat, so now it becomes Pac and Orange Cassidy as the number one contenders, which then fought and then uh, eventually go into Double or Nothing's title match. So I thought this was a good way to keep Cage going upwards in the number one contendership move Adam page a little bit farther back so that you have a little bit more time for the Omega feud to, uh, build up. Uh, I mean, it's already built up pretty good, but just to prolong, uh, the Omega run as champion and, and then have, uh, Adam, hopefully, you know, be probably maybe next person to logistically beat him. Uh, but you also have, uh, Christian cage. That's going to be, Coming up, so I thought there was a couple more people that Omega could face before he finally gets to uh, Adam Page. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked that you guys picked uh, Brian Cage. Like it was a hundred percent. I don't want to say a hundred percent. I was ninety-five percent sure that Hangman Page was going to win this match just based on he. Brian Cage had done a sneak attack during Dynamite. He had powerbombed him on the stage. They made it very clear the wind was dirty. You know, I, I think most of us assume Hangman Page is kind of the first guy that we suspect is a threat to Kenny Omega's title reign. I, I look, I enjoyed a lot of the matches they had before, but I never really believed Omega was in jeopardy. And when he faces Hangman Page, I believe his title reign is in jeopardy. Um, good match, really liked it. I wish Cage got more wins. Like truthfully, I feel like he's right now at that jobber to the stars level. I do appreciate the storyline they're building, where it seems like he's going to break away from Team Taz. So I look forward to the inevitable matches against Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, things like that. Like it'll be fun. But Hangman Page, to me, 
you know, when they when they first started, I said he wasn't ready to be champion. I thought Jericho was the right move because Jericho was the established name. Now I think Hangman is ready to be champion. I think he is that guy that gives you that next level. Kenny Omega is already a made man. He is who he is. There's no question about it. Him being champion elevates the title, but it doesn't elevate Omega. Hangman Page being the champion brings Hangman, I believe, into that elite tier status. So I think he's ready to be the guy. Yeah, and um, I, I I think that with Adam Page, just the the his arc, the way it's going, I do believe that. Yeah, I think by uh, full gear, he'll be in the. T- I actually, I would I would argue probably in the next month he's in the title picture, but he, I bet they do it in a way where uh, it's safer. If that makes sense, where they uh, he's feuding with a couple other people as well. So I I think that Miro he's going to feud with, and I I do believe he'll start to feud with uh, Jungle Boy in a way as well. So, but. Anyway, so uh, the Young Bucks uh, retained, uh, which uh, was uh, kind of surprising. Uh, I thought they would drop it by now. But, Doug, what are your thoughts that the fact that the Young Bucks uh, came out on top? I'm glad that they did. I think that um, I think Roger's argument more makes sense for the Sun on any level. But they've already had Hangman and Omega be the tag champions. Do you really want to put, again, two single stars as your tag team champions? Um I don't mind this feud. This feud was enjoyable and everything like that. Uh, but I'm happy to see the Young Bucks retain. And, you know, when, when they finally do build up another tag team to their their level to, to beat them, I think it just goes to show that how much more powerful that team is and, and gets them over even more. Yeah, I mean, that's always been my argument, right? I Look, if this is a singles match, Nick Jackson and John Moxley, Moxley should whoop him. If it's Matt Jackson and Moxley, Moxley should whoop him. I don't even mind if uh, Eddie Kingston whoops each one of the Young Bucks because they are not singles guys. But in a tag team match, this is the best tag team in the world. They should be better than two guys who have tagged for a couple months. They, you know, they're elite tag teams, and an elite tag team should be elite singles wrestlers. So I think this was the right call. I love the feud. I look, this is one of my contenders for match of the year. I thought it was great. I really didn't uh, understand how much I missed the crowd until this match went off, and I was like, wow, it's really nice to have that reaction and feedback from the fans. This was a really good match. The right team won. I love the violence. I also like that they didn't go the typical route of Kingston taking the pinfall, because to me, this didn't hurt Moxley at all. No one looks at him and says, oh, that guy is weak. He lost to the best tag team in the world after like five consecutive beats. TE triggers. There's no shame in going down to that. It was a really good match. They had some great false finishes. I loved the Dior's Day device. Like that had me in tears laughing. It's it, just a good match. The Bucks are so much better as heels. I know they'll turn face again at some point, but please don't. Like just stay heels. They're so good at it. But th- this again, I, I don't like singles guys as champions. I don't mind it in a short comedy run, Pete Dunn and Matt Riddle style, but tag team titles should be won by tag teams. Young Bucks. FTR, um, SCU. I did not like Omega and, and uh, Page, and I didn't want Moxley and Kingston. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, entirely. And, you know, I, I was taking a look at some of the rankings that they're doing, you know, and that's one of the things that you had mentioned earlier is, you know, how wins and losses matter. And I that's what's really nice is to be able to see, like, oh, who is next? Because I was sitting there thinking, like, who would be next for the titles? And then it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We have FTR. Obviously, they're heels. You're not going to have heel versus heel. But, you know, they're 4-0, you know? So, like, that's a possibility. You have um, the ac- the acclaimed, which I really like them. I think that Max Caster is fantastic. Um, you have Scorpio Sky 
and Ethan Page, which we'll talk about you know here in just a moment, and Varsity Blondes, who actually they uh, unfortunately uh, had lost to the Young Bucks, um, you know, on Dynamite recently. So, but it's nice to see that because now you can sit there and be like, oh, who would be next uh, for these folks? But I, I wholeheartedly agree with you guys. Amazing match, uh, and I like seeing I, I like seeing the crowd back and seeing it back. I think that the Young Bucks. It's funny when we saw them versus FTR. Uh, the match was just okay, and we expected that to be like a an amazing match last year. And to see them with the crowd, it's almost like they have that cue, like, oh, wait a second. Hold on. Let the crowd get their pop in. Now we can do our move. And it's almost like they actually wait for their cue when, they're, when there's a crowd there. So um, kudos to them. So, Doug, I got to ask you. AEW signed a couple new superstars, and... There is one that was uh, much bigger. He is he's a little bit smaller now, but he signed with AEW. But he was previously known as a WB lifer. So who is it? The Mark Henry. Yeah, he is signed with AEW. Yeah, I'm su- I'm still surprised that he signed with AEW. I thought he was WWE for life. I'm really shocked about this. But uh, kudos to Mark Henry joining. What are your thoughts on it? It's, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind it. Uh, a little bit of me kind of wishes that they would uh, stop doing stuff like this uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't need WWE taking over my AEW in that aspect of uh, I, I don't need to just keep bringing over former WWE stars even though I don't think he's going to be wrestling, it's just going to be more like the big show thing where he just, he shows up, he's going to be commentating uh, every once in a while. But honestly, I've listened to big shows commentary. I can only imagine what, if you put Mark Henry and big show as a commentator on a show, I just think this would be one of the most uh, base level commentaries, but also just absolutely kind of horrible. They're not that great. They're not known for their talking skills. So, I mean, it would be the biggest commentary group. It's one group that you wouldn't mess with their desk at all. So, uh, I mean, I think that would be a fun angle every once in a while if they would just do that. Like somebody goes to mess up their desk and they just say no. And, and you really don't. Then you, you just walk away from that. But, um, you know, it, it, it's not bad. He he will bring over a lot of expertise, a lot of insight. And uh, uh, he, he could probably be a great person to have in the background just to – to, to give ideas and uh, storyline uh, jumps or, or aspects. So. so, Roger, what were your thoughts on Mark Henry signing? Uh, <laughs> a lot of chocolate ran through my mind. Um, you know, to, to Doug's point, I feel like there's something that could really be done with one of those good talkers who's a little bit smaller. Like, I just see Ricky Starks going to, like, powerbomb uh, Darby Allen through the table and Big Show and Mark Henry just looking at him like, nope. Like not gonna not this table. I don't know what table you think you're gonna blast, but it ain't gonna be this one. And you just see Starks like, I ain't scared of no announcers. He turns around, he's like, okay, maybe not, and just walks away. Like they just acknowledge that, like, yeah, these are not the two announcers you work with. But to Doug's point, look, I I'm not one of those people who believes that you should treat all former WWE guys as toxic because that's ridiculous. <laughs> but but there is a certain point where I'm like, I don't want AEW to be WWE. Like, I don't want it to be what TNA became eventually, right? I like AEW because it's bringing and showcasing guys who I've never seen before. You know, the, the Will Hobbs, the Darby Allens, the guys like that. Now, Mark Henry isn't taking a spot. And the same thing I said with Paul White. As long as he's just a, being an analyst and a talker, you know, fine. Though I don't know how much value he brings in that role. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's a, a Christian Cage. I really don't have a problem with because Christian Cage's name to me was made outside of WWE. Other than the tag team specials, he became a main eventer in Impact, so I don't have a problem with that. Mark Henry has been around 25 years and he's been with the E nonstop. Maybe he brings some value. I don't know. Maybe in a backstage role or something like that, he can help mentor the big guys. You know, whatever. It, but you know, there's there's a, such a thing as roster bloat, and they're already kind of teetering on that. Mark Henry can go and I don't miss anything big show. I you know, I don't have anything against big show, but I don't need him there. If they signed Kane, that's fine, but I don't need him there. You know, there's a difference between guys that I say that like you sign Samoa Joe, my ears perk up. If you sign, you know, Mark Henry, I'm just like, eh, it's fine. But you know, I, I'm not interested in seeing him interact with the younger generation. Now I think there's value in like those true legend guys, the Arn Anderson's, the Tully Blanchard. If they could get Ric Flair, you signed Ric Flair tonight because Ric Flair is someone that everybody knows. Um, pretty much every legend who isn't Hulk Hogan, 100% I'm all in for, to be a legend. Mick Foley, totally would be fine with that. Bret Hart, totally would be fine with that. But, like, Mark Henry isn't in that stratosphere. They could get Stone Cold. <laughs> Do it, right? Like, Stone Cold brings views. But Mark Henry, he isn't a needle mover like that. Yeah, I agree with you, Roger. I actually think that they've kind of hit that bloat, you know, area because now we are seeing, you know, we have two other shows. We have Elevation and Dark, and now there's going to be Rampage. And that's something that I am a little concerned about because, like, you know, like with when you look at professional sports teams, you can take a look to see what the athletes make and be like, okay, there's a salary cap. You have to be under the salary cap. Looking at their roster, like, if there was a salary cap, they are way over. Like, it is like they are beyond over because, you know, what what Paul White and what, um, you know, Mark Henry are being paid is ridiculous. Like, they are probably being paid a, a lot more money than what they are going to bring in. You know, that's the thing, right? When you're running a business, you want whoever you're paying, you're paying them enough where you can keep them happy and keep them there, but you have to be making money from that person too. And, you know, those two guys, like you said, like, and I have nothing against them. I think they're, they're great, but are they going to be bringing in that many more eyeballs? Are they going to bring legitimacy to the the brand that they're on? I don't know. Um, and they, it, it was a big announcement. It was a, I'm glad they didn't say before we have a huge signee and you're going to be shocked when you see them, like, because it would have been a letdown, but you know, seeing him is like, oh, that's that's cool. But what's he going to do? What, what is he going to bring to the table? You know, uh, and if he does more than just the announcing, if he does like behind the scenes, like, you know, here's how we did storytelling in the E and here's how, you know, we how you can do that and then expand upon that. Great. But I don't want to see, you know, like Roger said, Elite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just happy that uh, he's going to be giving them a, a hand with uh, AEW. So. Um, Darby Allen and Sting beat Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Roger, what happened here? So I kind of saw this one coming too. I don't know if you guys picked, uh, I think Doug may have picked Sting and Darby as well. If you kind of followed this feud, basically Page and Sky, other than one segment on Dynamite, have gotten the better of Sting and Darby the entire time. They cost Darby the TNT title. They put Sting on the shelf with that ankle lock. This feud wasn't about them going over. It was about them being a pest and them elevating their names to get onto their level. Because, quite frankly, Scorpio Sky would have just been in the Casino Battle Royal, and Ethan Page would have probably been the Joker. But instead, the fact that they were feuding with an icon in Sting, and obviously a guy who has superstar potential in Darby Allen, that elevated them just by being in the ring. 
but this isn't WrestleMania 31. I don't think you're going to have Sting lose his debut match. Like, he's not facing, you know, the game of burials here. So you knew Sting was going to win his in-ring return. You knew Darby Allen probably is not going to lose to these guys because Darby Allen is a guy that I could see facing Omega in a couple months. So right move. I think it was a good match. I was happy to see Sting moving around the way he did. When he took that suplex on the uh, ramp, I was legitimately concerned because I remember the buckle bomb he took from Rollins, and he popped right up. And look, I'm generally not a fan of no-selling, but the – 12 year old that still lives in me to see sting do that no sell i went crazy totally didn't care i love that he stared him down i love that he did that crossbody look at 61 years old if i'm able to do a crossbody i will be so happy because he he looked way more mobile six years later at the end of his run in wwe he looked you know like the undertaker did where it seemed like his hip was just popping out of socket and now i, I look happy for sting i don't want to see him wrestle every night i don't want to see him come out and you know do this you know three times a month but if he does this once every pay-per-view i'm I'm all for it. Keep elevating those young guys. So I was one that picked uh, Page and Sky, and the the main reason that I had behind it was because Ethan Page. I don't know if he has any victories. He debuts at the last pay per view, and they act like it was a big signing. And I didn't know anything about him. I was like, okay, well, you know, he's got a little bit of cred on the indie world, and people are into him. Like that's interesting. Like ah. Uh, but who's he going to be? You know, like he didn't win the uh, it was the ladder matches, like grab the brass ring ladder matches, the, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, get the, the golden ring sort of thing. Um, and I didn't know anything about him. He didn't win that. And then he and Scorpio are taking on, you know, essentially attacking Allen. I would have liked to see him get a win here, you know, to see them defeat Darby Allen. Uh, that's why I picked him, because I thought that this one this one was the one that I was like, no, there's no way that they're going to let you know, Sting and Darby get that, get this win. Not because, yeah, I see Sting's like actual in-ring return in front of fans. I get that, but it just seemed like booking wise, Ethan page getting a win would have been, would have been a big deal. If they're trying to push both of these guys as a tag team, you know, and as opposed to single stars, I think it would have been a better move to do that. Personally, that said it was a good match and seeing Sting actually wrestle. It was fantastic. I, I I was very excited to see what Sting could do. And, you know, Sting and Darby actually as a tag team, if they're moving in that direction and they want to have Sting and Darby take on the Young Bucks at, at, at All Out, like, you know what, then? All right, good. Good on you guys. I you, you, you have changed my mind, and I think that it was a good move now for them to win. No, it's uh, definitely interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we'll see Sting in a singles match uh, ever again. Uh, but to see him wrestle again was was exciting and putting him with Darby has definitely helped Darby's career and boosted his uh, his uh, star power. So uh, I enjoyed this. Uh, it was a fun moment. And but to Roger's point, there's no way you're going to have Sting lose the first match in front of a full crowd. So uh, good for Sting. Glad he got his moment and still kind of interested to see what what AEW can uh, do with him. Yep, uh, and uh, congratulations for Sting for coming back. That's very nice to uh, see him in the ring and take some bumps that uh, I think everyone was surprised about. Um, you know, the next thing we need to talk about is Cody. Uh, Cody uh, took on uh, Anthony. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Aaron, what is it? A go go. Thank you. A go go. A go go. So I, I got to ask, uh, Doug, what did you think about uh, Cody uh, taking take? What did you think about the match with Cody then? The match was fine. Um, it was just one of those things that I had to think about. Uh, 
beforehand, I was like, you know what? I was probably about 75, 25 for Cody. Um, there was a lot of talk that, you know, Cody does like to help other wrestlers and give them a push and everything like that. But when he came out and he's out in the American dream, uh, everything's, you know, red, white, and blue. And it's Memorial day weekend. I was like, Nope, this is a hundred percent. This is Cody's to win. This is just going to be an entertaining match and we'll see what, what, what goes on. And it was, it was a decent match. It wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was a five-star match at all, but it was a good match. And, you know, just, it kind of pushes the Cody Rhodes versus, uh, uh, the factory, the factory. Yes. Thank you. Uh, push, pushes their little feud a little bit longer and we'll, we'll see how that, that, uh, turns out. You know, hey Doug, I I do have a a weird question for you. And it's kind of going it's going off on a tangent. I thought the inner circle was supposed to break up. Did I miss? If something? they lost, oh, if I they thought, lost, oh, I thought they lost. Um, on uh, no, we'll get to st- Stadium Stampede. That's the main event. Oh no, no. Okay, I was thinking about something else then because I'm an idiot. Um, anyway, so I got to ask Aaron, what are your thoughts uh about uh about Cody uh Cody's match? I. I was actually kind of shocked that he was not wearing a crimson mask. You know, uh, I had said in our chat, Cody has not let him met a blade that he does not like, you know, plain and simple. And so I was expecting it'd be something silly, like a gut punch. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, got a blade, you know, and then <laughs> be like, wait, where'd that come from? <laughs> that was weird. Uh, but no, this is fine. Uh, the buildup was interesting. You know, I don't know why uh, they were trying to do a UK versus US sort of thing. I thought that was like, yeah, I don't know if that's as necessary to do in this um, uh, in this day and age. But, you know, the the factory versus the nightmare family. Yeah, it is what it is. And, you know, Cody needs to have a storyline, you know, like he can't go after the world title, at least not yet. Uh, So they need to have a storyline kind of ready for him. And I think Cody is really good on the mic. I think that he's one of the better promos. Uh, he's he's definitely the best face promo, I think, in AEW right now. And so I, I think for him, he needs to have a good heel to go after. And MJF, they already had their feud. So it's a matter of um, who else can he go after in the time being before he has to take his leave when his daughter's born and then come back and then take them on after that. Yeah, it's so it's funny that you said Cody's a good face promo because I think he is a solid face promo, but his promo to set this match up was atrocious. Like it, it honestly was one of the worst promos I think I've heard him give, and he's given some stinkers. Um, the match was good. The feud sucked. Like I'm going to be honest, I don't love nationalistic feuds. They're just you know unless it leads to somebody coming out on a tank, I don't care. And it wasn't interesting. I think there was a much better way to make this feud personal. All you had to do was to have a go-go tech, the legacy of Dusty Rhodes. It would have made so much more sense. It would have been contained to wrestling. It would have explained why Cody was using the American dream. You just have, you know, a go-go come out and call Dusty Rhodes an old fat drunk whose history in the business is overrated. He's going to get huge booze. You don't have to do the U.S. versus U.K. thing, which brings up the worst in everybody. And you have Cody come out to defend his father's honor. Problem solved. You know, he could even beat him with, I don't know what, Dusty's finisher was was the the, the three punch elbow elbow yeah. elbow yeah you know so you could have done something like that as a tribute to his pops and that's fine I just I don't know this this was one of the rare matches that I said like 
remember when the old divas matches would happen back in the, the era before the horsewomen came up? That's what this match was for me. I was just like, I don't care. And it wasn't a bad match. Like I give credit to Cody and a go-go. It was a solid match, but the feud going in was just so boring and so basic and so reductive that I just was like, I don't care. And it was also blatantly obvious as Doug said, once they did the tribute to the troops and Cody comes out draped in the red, white, and blue, it's like, there's a 0% chance a go-go wins this match. Like, just not going to happen. I only know one time where the heel won a national match. And it was, I believe Rusev beating swagger in a flag match. Other than that, USA always wins. Like I can't think of another example. Maybe TNA did it once as well, but you know, it's, it's just obvious. Andy, I've got to ask you, uh, did you see the finish to this uh, match? I did not. So would it be shocking to you to know that the finish move to this match was a Berta breaker? Oh yeah. 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 Cody hit him with the vertebraker. Cody hit him with a vertebraker to get the pinfall. One, two, three. What? Yeah. Okay. okay. Why, cool. didn't, why didn't he do the bionic elbow, but rip the elbow pad off and throw it into the crowd? That's what I want to know. But does he wear elbow pads? Oh, no, no, I don't think he wears any pads. Yeah, I think no knee pads, no elbow pads. He's always looked weird yeah. like that. Oh well, he should get an elbow pad just so he can throw it. Into just the so he can throw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the rock. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yeah, no, it was actually it was really cool, Andy. You would have loved to see the vertebraker because he hit it cleanly. I give him yep. credit. He hit that move very well. Dang it. All right. <laughs> so we gotta talk about uh Mero. Uh he took on Lance Archer, and it's I'm kind of surprised that they called the match when they did. Uh so I, I gotta ask you, Doug, what did you think about uh Mero's uh well I think is his first tile defense or second tile defense? <laughs> It's one of his first major tile defenses. I think he's defended it against a couple other guys that had no shot whatsoever. Um, I thought Archer actually shouldn't have been his first, I guess, real contest. uh, Because I could see Archer taking the title from him eventually or having the TNT title eventually. Uh, So having it be his first defense... you know, it's like, well, you're obviously not going to have Miro lose. So it kind of m- made the match a little bit lesser, in my opinion, but still ended up being a decent match. Uh, I think Dick Roberts needs to stay out of the ring as much as possible. I think the only true shocking moment of this match was when Miro grabs the bag that did not actually have a snake. So let's not get too offended, PETA. But when he throws that bag just for a shock value, um, it's like, oh, okay, we are going there. Huh, all right, whatever. But I, I, I just don't think Archer, I think, feels a little bit weaker now because he had to have Jake the Snake interfere in the match and still ends up losing. So, you know, not good for Archer. Miro, good win for him. Uh, and hope his uh, title reign remains strong. Yeah, I um I agree with Doug. Archer should not have been the first challenge. Archer's a guy who should have been challenging over it like full gear, right? When Miro's deep into the title reign and you see him and he's been bullying the division maybe for five, six months. And then you have a guy like Archer who says, okay, try bullying me, right? He comes face to face because I don't think any of us believe Miro was going to lose so soon. And I, I I want Jake Roberts to be more Paul Heyman to Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, where he's not interfering in the match. He may he wants to add commentary and talk. I actually think Roberts and Archer would benefit from a tag team, where it was like Roberts was managing a young tag team, and then Archer's kind of the heavy who comes in when things need to be settled. 
But yeah, I, I, this Archer kind of looks like the jobber to the stars again. It, it seems like he can get to the big match, but he can't win the big match. I don't know if he's got any signature victories that I can think of off the top of my head. Did he win the Battle Royal to get the number one title shot? That may be the only one. Um, but, you know, he lost to Cody in the finals. He lost to Moxley. And, you know, it, it's kind of like one of those things of like, you got to start racking up those wins when it counts or we're going to kind of see you as that you know, other guy. And uh, oh, I'm happy Miro won. He won in dominating fashion. They mentioned the spinal surgery, which is great to have a guy like Archer pass out really makes Miro look like a killer. I love psycho unhinged Miro, but I wouldn't have put Archer here. Honest to God, I would have put Kip Sabian in this match and I would have had Miro destroy him in under five minutes. I would have just had, I would have had you show, and I want to see Penelope Ford out there showing legitimate concern while Miro is just coming unhinged, beating the absolute crap out of the guy who he was, you know, his best man. And he shows no remorse. And finally he puts him in the game over and just breaks him. Like you show how much of a killer he truly is. And then let a guy like Archer be down the line. Yeah, totally agree. Or, you know, the other thing too, is like, why not do a battle Royal, like uh, uh, like the next dynamite that they had, right? Like do a battle royal number one contendership and you could literally have almost anybody win that. And it could be a fluke win too. You know, I was just taking a look at their roster and there's people that you could have win that, hey, they dominate, it was a good win, like Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus could have won that and then lost that because he's a tag team wrestler. So you yep. could have Luchasaurus, you know, be in the, the pay-per-view and then he loses and it could be a very clean loss. You know, there's a lot of other people too that I could take a look at and be like, oh yeah, Matt Seidel. You know, he's somebody that Miro could literally just dominate him, beat him in seconds. You know, uh, one of the, you know, my favorite wrestler of all time, Marco Stunt. Another really great one. You know, you could just have him like, like seconds, literally. <laughs> he kicks him in the face, puts him in the accolade and, and it's like, it's over. It's like, and then you make the joke, you know, they say about Brock Lesnar, he doesn't get paid by the hour. And then you just move on. And that's a great way. It's like, wow, he looked dominant. Uh, Lance Archer, to, to Roger's point, and I, it's the same thing with Brian Cage. It's if you do not get those wins, they do not matter. And so to me, Lance Archer and Brian Cage are like, I don't even want to say jobbers to the stars. They're jobbers to the mid card. Like they are like, I don't even want to say nobody's because that's like, that's terrible to say about them. But like. You need to build them up. And Brian Cage, I understand the TNA uh, title is not that big, but he was the TNA champion. You know, they saw something in him. Uh, you know, they they focused in on. I believe he's TNA champion. Uh, if not, he he was uh, he was a major player in Impact. Um, and so, you know, he's somebody that like I'm not saying he should be your champion, but he should not be a jobber. He should not be somebody who is losing match after match after match. Lance Archer was doing really well in New Japan. He comes here and it's like, you know. People have to eat losses. I understand that. But like have them go to to darker elevation and have them just dominate there. And then you talk about it on Dynamite. I'd be like, oh, if you haven't seen him on on dark, Lance Archer has been racking up. He's got five wins in a row. Now he's challenging for the TNT title. Now he's challenging for this title. He's deserved. He's earned this shot. And I feel like they're not doing that with him. And I think that's that's a mistake for for both those people, for KG and for um, uh, Archer. So. So, Aaron, I got to ask you, um, with Britt Baker, Britt Baker finally won the AEW Women's Championship. Mm -hmm. And she very deserved it. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you think that this that they waited too long to give it to her? Or do you think this is the perfect time for her to be champion? I think this was the perfect time. I think that you don't have a dusty finish. You don't have her not win it here. She is the heel. She was the favorite going in. And she earned this with her match that, that she's had earlier this year with um, uh, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Thunder Rosa. Uh, Thunder Rosa. 
I was wanting to say Rosalina for some reason, uh, for, which is a Mario character uh, with Thunder Rosa. Absolutely fantastic match. She's had a lot of other really great classics. And so she was perfect in this spot. And her winning was, uh, I think, years and years of hard work paying off. And I'm looking forward to her reign. I hope that they don't take it off her too soon. I also hope that the, her uh, next opponent at the next pay-per-view is a very worthy one where you wonder, could she lose it? Well, I think Thunder Rosa would be a good... Uh first contender even just due to the fact that i mean I, I only say that because thunder rosa beat her in that match but it since it was unsanctioned you go back to the whole aspect of well it wasn't on the record you it never beat count. me never never beat me on when it really counts so if you want to you want to take me on it's going to be in a clean one fall match and we'll see who the true winner is. And you can still have, I mean, because she is the heel, which was kind of fun that the crowd is cheering for her. Not that she didn't deserve it. She absolutely does deserve it. She's done a great job. Uh, she has been a great champion. Wish she would have had better feuds. But, you know, I think this is the, the right time to move it over. Uh, let Britt build up the, the championship in more of a feud aspect because she can really feud with almost anybody. She has that mockery aspect of her that she can just take out everybody and just go, go through it. But you could have Thunder Rosa again. You have her battle, get in there, and then, yeah, maybe take a loss to for the first defense. Um, but then still, again, you can make it close. You can have it somewhat controversial whether her little uh, ring lackey interferes again or something along those lines. But you can have her face off against a lot of people and uh, not necessarily have to win clean. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy for Britt Baker. It was fun to see Tony Schiavone give her a hug at the end. Um, I just kind of wonder, you know, what her boyfriend thinks of the win. Baby. Um, yeah. I, so one thing I always love in announcers, I like when announcers have legitimate favorites. You know, one thing, Corey Graves, even though he was a heel, he couldn't stand Sasha. It didn't matter if Sasha was a face. He always talked crap about her. You know, he couldn't stand Elias. Right. It, it makes it feel more like a real product. And I like that Tony Schiavone, despite being a very clear face. Gets along with Britt Baker, you know, roots for her, gave her a hug. This was the right move. Ishida was a great champion during the pandemic area. She's not particularly a great promo, just I believe because of the language barrier. Um, but also Britt Baker, you know, has gone from that awful Britsburg nonsense when they first started to DMD and is legitimately kind of turned into her, the female version of Adam Cole, where she just is, you kind of want to punch her in the face. Like, and it's great. She's fantastic. I love the fact that she added the curb stomp, that plus the lock jaw is just a great set of finish. I so I I think Doug's point isn't wrong in the sense of uh, Thunder Rosa would be a great challenger, but I would hold off because personally their match, that unsanctioned match, was kind of their version of NXT Sasha versus Bailey, and I think something that special should be built to. That's something in nine months I want to see Thunder Rosa work her way all the way to the top, and and, and honestly you can do storyline where Britt's like, nope, I'm not giving you a match, you got to earn it, and ducking her and costing her matches so that you know Thunder Rosa is having to fight up the rankings, and finally she gets her shot, and then that revolution you see. Thunder Rosa take her down because Britt is a good talker. She's obnoxious. You love to hate her. She's really stabilized what was a bad women's division, to be quite honest. And it went from something that we were like, this is not enjoyable to, wow, th these are main event caliber matches. I like the depth of the roster. You know, Chris Statlander to me is a good first choice. I think that'd be a great match for those two. I wouldn't mind a match with Tay Conti. Um, you know, uh, who's the NWA women's champion? Serena Deeb. I'd love to watch Britt Baker and Serena Deeb go at it for the title. 
I, I, so I think this is a great move. I'm really excited. I love women's wrestling. I love the diversity. I love the different looks and the different styles. You know, fantastic. They made the right move. I just kind of wish they'd cut to a shot of Adam Cole in the crowd and put Britt Baker's boyfriend. Just just like a, <laughs> a little throwback to war games, right? Like you just show Adam Cole there, but we all know who it is. But just <laughs> Britt Baker's boyfriend. Don't say anything else. You know, you bring up an interesting point about Britt Baker. I mean, WWE had a couple had a tag team that recently got released. And I would almost be willing that they should pair Britt with uh, Peyton and uh, Billy Kay. An iconic tag team? Yes. And then so they can get like kind of like their butts kicked instead of Britt. So you kind of protect her a little bit. I think they should do something like that, especially if it gets, especially if Britt has to deal with like a, like another woman with a manager or something like that. You could have that. Uh, I think that they should do something around those lines, but we'll see. Um, Let me ask you three. What do you guys think of the idea of Britt Baker having to defend against Jade Cargill? You know, I actually wanted to ask you guys something similar. I was going to ask, what do you think about her turning face partway through her reign and then taking on mm-hmm. Jade Cargill? You know, like where you have instead of a heel versus heel, because that's not going to be as, as important, but a heel versus face. You know, obviously Jade Cargill is a she's she will always be a heel. I don't know a time. She just looks like somebody who will always be a heel based on her trash talking. Um but I guess I would say I'd be okay with that, but only if it's face versus heel. See, I like the idea of heel Brit because I don't think face Brit. I think the storyline's too predictable. But heel Brit, who has to outsmart and do the cowardly tactics, and you have Reba, who's like, I don't really want to interfere against Jade. <laughs> like, you know, she wants to hit her with a crutch, and then Jade glares, and she's like, No, I'm good, and just drops off the apron. Like, I think you could really do almost like a Miz and Lashley, but not in the stupid manner. Like, actually do that type of match. Or they've done Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman, where you have the dominating heel versus the conniving heel, because I think that would be a good way to show. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that'd be a good match. Uh, you know, I would say like a triple threat. If if I were going to do those two, I would say you do a triple threat and you obviously you have a, a very strong face in there against those two. And then Jade could have, you know, you know, beef about like, hey, you didn't pin me and I didn't lose, you know, so like I deserve a rematch. And then you could you could go that route potentially. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's taking a look at the the women's roster. I mean, I, I think that uh, Thunder Rose is definitely, you know, one of the prime folks that you want to focus in on and if not the first but probably the second title defense potentially and you know there's a few other folks that you know looking at it it's like oh you know like rio's one red velvet is another one like not as uh, pay-per-view necessarily but you know is leading up to uh pay-per-views you could potentially do is anna jay due back soon i think she was like 10 months they were she was going to be gone for when did she get hurt anyone remember i want to say it was like last month you know like not that long ago. I want to say that it's got to be close. Uh, watching um, the elite on YouTube, they've been running some angles where she's been seen in the background, but not necessarily there um, with the Dark Order. And now one of them is on a quest because everybody in the Dark Order has forgotten about her. So. Uh, one of them is on a quest to remember her and have everybody remember her. So it's got to be coming up soon. Oh, and actually just, I was going to look at the roster. Uh, Britt Baker and Big Swole had a uh, big feud uh, last year. So that might be her first feud uh, moving forward. It could be Big Swole. All right. So, Doug, let's talk Spring Stampede number two. What were your thoughts on uh, everything that happened in the match? Um. 
I think the first one was the best one. Uh, I didn't like the quick setup to this one. I thought the uh, War Games match should be a feud ender. Uh, so quickly going into Stampede, Stampede 2 uh, was unexpected and just, again, I think a little bit rushed. So you also throw in the fact that this was the possibility for the inner circle to break up. Um, I think Pinnacle should have won uh, just because I think that the inner circle has done everything that it can to up everybody being around Y2J. And it just, it felt like a good time to have them end and go their separate ways. But at the same time, this was also the um, send everybody hope home happy aspect where you had the face team win um, and you don't have Omega winning being your final um, go home, I guess, aspect. So it it, it was entertaining uh, again, but I still don't think it, it matches to the, the very first initial one. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of this match, as Doug said. I, War Games is not a match that you – used to continue a feud. War Games is a feud ender, plain and simple. It has always been bloody and brutal and violent. When MJF threw Jericho off, that should have been the end of the feud. That should have been the, the end of the inner circle. That should have been Jericho has gone for a long time. To have it set up to Stadium Stampede, which last year was fun because it was a fun cinematic match. You know, we were in the, the kind of beginning of the pandemic era. I loved loved last year's match they had those awesome spots with the golf cart and the 100 yard northern light suplex and i believe the mascot took a judas effect i think uh, matt hardy went through like the different phases in the pool right like it was just it was funny it was fun it was cool great this year's it just felt like a long street fight like it just wasn't i don't know i, I wasn't entertained going into it it was underwhelming it under delivered. I, I knew when Sammy and Sean Spears were in the ring, I was like, well, Sean Spears is in this feud or group to take pinfalls. You knew who was going to win. I didn't, I didn't like it. I, I just, I think it was time for the inner circle to be done. I, I don't think this helps pinnacle. I don't think this helps inner circle to be quite honest. I think Ortiz and Santana should be going their own way and they should be challenging the young bucks for the tag titles, not continuing to stay in the inner circle. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, great pay-per-view, but much like I say about WWE, you're knocked a little bit when your main event is underwhelming. And to me, this was again, underwhelming. It was also very curious to have a mostly taped, you know, probably taped, uh, match as your main event. It just seemed like in front of a, you know, full crowd, like why not do that earlier? You know, why not do that, you know, before the main event that it was a very odd pairing. I, I thought, I, with that said, I definitely echo your guys' thoughts on this. And this is, I hope they don't do this every year. They had said that blood and guts will not be a yearly thing, which I think is smart. I think Stadium Stampede, you know, it was funny for last year and they needed it because of the pandemic. And it worked, you know, because of the pandemic. I felt like for this, it didn't. And I think for all the reasons you guys had listed, I would do this not very regularly. I wouldn't have called this stadium stampede too. I would have just tried something else. Be like, Hey, we're going to have a street fight. You know, we're going to do something else. But you know, again, when you do blood and guts, it's like, where do you go from there? It's really hard. And I know they wanted to try something different and like, Hey, we're going to have like the feud ender be first. And then we're going to have like these other series of matches. But like, where do you go when you see the finale? You know, if you watch, you know, the, the bad guy get killed at the beginning of the movie, the rest of the movie is probably not going to be as entertaining, you know, as, as seeing that. So, um, I don't know, very, very interesting choices. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have much else to say on that one. Just meh. I, I, I don't like 
yearly calendar matches unless it's something like the Royal Rumble. You know, we know every single year you earn this right to go to WrestleMania. Money in the Bank, great yearly thing. I hate Hell in a Cell. It is a terrible pay-per-view. It devalue. you know, back in the day, Hell in a Cell was a cool feud ender, right? Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker, can't be contained inside of a normal cage. And then all of a sudden, you've done like 35 Hell in a Cells. I'm just like, I don't care. Um, I don't like Elimination Chamber as a yearly thing. I don't like TLC as a yearly thing. It, those, those special matches should stay special. And uh, to me, this feud didn't need Stadium Stampede. Like it, War Games should have been the end. If you want to do a match before War Games, cool. Do a match where you do, you know, what, a four-on-four, four, five-on-four, five tag inner circle wins they say that's not enough you know we're going to go to war games and that's the end but there's something fundamentally wrong with war games being the setup to another match like war games is the feud ender should always has been always should be just real quick uh before we uh move on when helena Cell was introduced back in 1997 and before it became a yearly pay-per-view in 2009 there were 16 helena cell matches that happened in about 10 years uh, uh, 12 years actually. So 16. So on average one a year, um, is what you're seeing for that. Since then, we <laughs> now are up to 45 hell in a cell matches. Obviously we have the pay-per-view coming up. It'll be 48 most likely, but in the span since 2009. So we're talking almost 12 years now. Uh, what is that? We're looking at 30, 30, yeah, 30, uh, hell in a cell matches. And most That's, of those elements, like, how many of those are memorable? That's the problem I have with it. Or how the many of them are memorable for the good reason? Like, yeah, I think I we'll guess, always remember uh, Rollins versus Wyatt, but that's not for a good reason. Now, Sasha with, uh, and uh, Charlotte, Becky. that was a good one. Sasha Becky was also good. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the one I remember, of course, was at WrestleMania, which was Taker versus uh, uh, Shane McMahon, you know, when Shane jumped off the top of the hell of, of the cell. And it was just like, whoa, you know, that was something different. Now, if that match was, hey, that was the only hell in a cell that year or that was one of two. Very, very different. I agree. I agree. So let's uh, let's uh, thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster? You're just not happy with your web host. You can check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs for free stability, hands down the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try Freedom with the easiest. And if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what are you going to lose? You've got HostGator.com and you can bite every web hosting cost. Also, make sure you check out Section 6's off the mark page and click on the banner at the top to stay big on items from WWEShop.com. Doug, let's talk about Omega retaining. So, so what happens This was a... This? Well, this was a triple threat match, and you had Omega, Pac, and Orange Cassidy. And I think that we all kind of knew that it really felt like Orange was only in this match to take the pinfall. Um, I think Orange was also in the match just to make it a little bit more uh, in the odds of Pac possibly winning because Pac could have beat Orange Cassidy and taken the title. Uh, I think you had a couple false finishes where that was a possibility. Um, but I enjoyed this match. I thought it was, uh, entertaining. Um, I don't, again, I wouldn't say it's a five-star match, but it was entertaining. And I didn't mind the finish where, uh, Omega just, you know, it was, it was a crucifix pinfall, uh, took out, uh, orange Cassidy in a quick one, two, three. So it was entertaining and you got a little bit of a, gasp that Omega might not uh, hold on to the title, but it was pretty much 100% or 95% most of the way. So it was, again, entertaining, but 
like I said, with the the Miro versus Archer uh, title match, it was kind of a foregone conclusion, which took away from it a little bit. So the the rest of his run, though, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. Um, I'm still hyped for it. Uh, I think my hype has not is has died down a little bit for his run. Uh, it hasn't been as explosive and as exciting as I thought it would be. Um, but you're gonna throw Jungle Boy, who won the Casino Battle Royale, is your next contender. And again, I still think that you're talking probably about a 95% chance that Omega retains. So it. My question would be: Is who is going to be the first person that has legitimacy to face Omega and take his title? I mean, that's that is the question. And to be fair, uh, I was with Doug that I was super hyped. I think we talked about this at the kind of the end of twenty twenty. This had the, the potential to be one of the more historic and special runs, kind of like Okada's run in NJPW. We thought like this could be something great. And honestly, it hasn't. Like, truth be told, it has been underwhelming. Like, not to a, you know, Monday Night Raw where I don't want to watch it, but I have to admit, I, I don't care about Omega's title run to the point that I'm I'm ready for it to be done. Like, if, if Hangman Page were announced as the number one contender for All Out, I would be overjoyed because I think that means it could be over. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Like, I don't like Omega as champion. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the elite, the way that Omega is being in the elite, because I like the Young Bucks as champions. They're great. They're jerks. They're obnoxious. They're really elevating tag teams. The Omega storyline just hasn't hit. Like, I, you know, the belt collector was fine, but it's like, where is the, where are the special matches that made Kenny Omega who he is? Where are the matches that I'm going to talk about five years and go, you got to see that. You know, if I was talking to a new wrestling fan, I'd be like, hey, watch Okada versus Omega at, at, at Wrestle Kingdom. That was, that was special. He hasn't had a special match, to, to be quite honest. The last great match I'd say he had was Winter is Coming. And, and even that match was just good. It was very good, but it wasn't on the tier of, you know, no one was calling out a five, six star, seven star match. The match against Moxley was trash, to be quite honest. This was a good match. I would have been fine with the main eventing. I think it was a better match than Stadium Stampede turned out to be. But, I, I, you know, based on the expectations that I had for this, if this doesn't turn around, this might be my biggest disappointment of 2021, simply because I thought it was going to be legendary. And it's, I wouldn't even say it's been average. It's been kind of bad. Like, it, uh, the Don Callis interference... I, I'm. I don't want to criticize it because WD has overdone it for years, but I'm. I'm kind of sick of it. Like I just don't like it anymore. I've seen it so much and so often, and the rest of the company doesn't do that. You know, Miro beats Archer because he's better than Archer. As a matter of fact, Archer interfered. Um, the tag team, you know, Brandon Cutler, I think interfered at the beginning or something like that. But it was like it didn't feel like it ruined the match. When I see Orange Cassidy. Uh, about to win and Cal saves him. I'm like, Omega shouldn't need that. Like, and I like the way Omega won. I, I thought it was great. I love that the late match heroics of Kenny Omega showed up again. He's like, I didn't have to beat you with the one ring angel. I just crucifixed you out of nowhere because I'm the best in the world. But I want to see, I want to see the cleaner. I, I don't like this Kenny Omega right now. I'm not enjoying this reign. So I hope Heyman Page puts it into it and let Omega do his thing in AAA and in JPW, hopefully in Impact. But him as AEW champion, I'm kind of over. Yeah, I I don't want to say I'm over it yet, but I I, I want to see more. And I think that him and Moxley having their blow off match at Revolution, I think, was a mistake. I think that I would not. Well, first, I mean, when we've gone on on record, talked about how it was a garbage match for, you know, the two best wrestlers in the world. Dumb idea. 
but that's where you want to have, you know, your first set of matches. And so like, you know, Pac and, and Orange Cassie, great. You know, you can have the triple threat there. Uh, and then Moxley could be waiting in the wings and you have Moxley then take him on uh, here where you go, hey, actually, there's a chance, you know, like because uh, uh, automatic rematches are dumb in wrestling. It is one of the worst things in the world. Very rarely does somebody ever get their their belt back. That does happen from time to time, but it is rare. And doing it here, I think I it, it was it was a mistake. And so Moxley versus him, you know, six months later. Hey, there's a chance. There is a chance that you might see him lose the title. You know, you could sign paperwork saying like, hey, this is the final match. No matter who wins, it does not matter. Moxley wins. Omega is going away. You know, like you will not challenge me for the title while I'm champion or whatever. You know, something something like that. It's not that hard to do, you know, and you can do things like that. But and and, and to Roger's point, that Omega uh, Moxley match at uh, Winner's Coming was very good. And I would say like, that. hey, that was one of the best matches of the year without a crowd. You know, similarly, you might say that this is one of the best matches you've seen this year with a crowd would be Moxley and Omega. Uh, but I, I want to see more. I, I do want to see some really good up and coming faces to take on Omega. And to Roger's point, it's Hangman Adam Page is the best one that they're probably building up. The problem is that one might not be until, you know, Revolution or maybe not Revolution. It could be full gear. I don't think they're going to go all out. You know, I, I don't think that that's where you would see it because Omega's character arc hasn't. I don't even think it's close to the peak yet, which means that Omega needs to hold that title probably for if not the full year. You know, we're, we're talking full gear most likely uh, is probably where you you could see him potentially lose the title because he's got to lose, you know, the AAA title. He needs to lose um, uh, the um, uh, impact title to somebody. He's got to have a credible challenger for that. And you want to see a downfall. Uh, of the champion and then you want to see him be you know super pissed off about it and then kind of go on a rampage maybe him and the bucks break up you know something you know like they there's a split there uh so i'm a little disappointed i i think they can turn this around but i do want to see those matches i want to see something specific from him hey let me ask you through a question because aaron made a good point about like there's a character arc if i'm AEW though in my opinion i don't want the first guy to beat Kenny Omega to be someone from outside of my company. I don't want him losing the AAA title. I don't want him losing the Impact title. I want him to lose the AEW title first so that I show that my guy is the best in the world who beat the current best in the world, the belt collector, the guy who's got four heavyweight titles right now. Like To me, that's why I actually think Hangman Page, the guy who we kind of associate with who can't get the job done. He's good enough to get there but not good enough to win. He couldn't beat Jericho. He couldn't beat Omega in the finals. If he beats him at all out— I, don't, I think Omega's descent into madness would be fantastic. And especially I think that sets up a storyline of, let's say Obushi gets his belt back. I know there's the NJPW storyline with the vacant title. I could totally see Kenny Omega going, if I can't get the AEW title back, I'm going to Japan. I'm going to go beat Obushi at Wrestle Kingdom to win the championship. And now you don't have this you know, silliness of, you know, my champion is in a match at Wrestle Kingdom where he's going to lose. I just think the title at this point, Omega doesn't need it any longer. Like, do the belt collector stuff and let the AEW title be the one belt he can't get his hands back on because psycho Kenny Omega seems much better than this the god of professional wrestling Kenny Omega who seems to you know it's like they've taken away the best thing about Omega is that his wrestling and we don't really see him wrestle all that often anymore and I, 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 I want the title to be about wrestlers not the elite not Don Callis not all of the kind of extra stuff and I also think Chicago is a perfect place for Hangman. I mean, the crowd would go absolutely wild if he beats Omega. So, you know, we don't know. Obviously, we can't project the future. But I feel like Hangman Page may not be hotter than he ever is right now. If you wait six months, who knows what happens? Injuries happen. We saw what happened with Osprey. 
you know, the best time to pull the trigger is right now, in my opinion. You know, I actually have a, an interesting thought on this uh, and that you brought up. Kenny Omega could have a thing where, yeah, he loses in November. And, like, uh, I think TNA does a pay-per-view usually in December. Uh, I got to double check. Bounce for glory? Yeah, like, uh, well, I'm sorry, in the, in October. So they could, well, I guess that would be too soon. But you could almost have, uh, I think Kenny should drop the AEW title. Go to, go to, and then just start dropping the other titles. And then basically Impact can make fun of him in a way. Like, oh, you can't, you know, like our guy beat your guy or whatever. Or, or say, like, if he loses, he loses the championship and kick him out, and then that's a storyline for Impact, and then he can do the same thing with something similar with maybe with AAA. But, yeah, I think that he should just be the belt collector and then lose them all and then slowly come back. And I think that's hopefully what they're going to do. But, I'm like I said, I'm with you guys. I, I wanted something more special than uh, what he's been putting on, and I think he's just kind of... I'm not going to lie. I think he's putting on uh, not WWE matches, but uh, I wouldn't be too far off. So, but... Uh, yeah. So, you know, Doug, what do you think that they're going to do with Kenny Omega? Like, do you, do you think like, especially with his next feud, is he going to continue to win or is he going to, you know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on it. So, um, going back to the Adam page versus Brian cage aspect of it, I thought this would have been a great time to have Brian cage win to, uh, go up in the rankings, move Adam page back. Um, I'd like to see, uh, Omega, kind of build back up a some better feuds to elevate the belt a little bit more uh, so that when it does come to Adam Page versus Kenny Omega, it's just that much more bigger. Uh, you have Jungle Boy uh, being the next contender by winning the Battle Royale, so that can kind of prolongs it a little bit. Uh, you have Christian Cage, who probably doesn't have a, a huge run in AEW, uh, but you know, move him up into that aspect too. Of have him feud for the title before you have uh, Adam Page take it. But you start lining up some of these possible, even like legendary people. Uh, maybe even you throw Sting in there, just so Omega can have a win over Sting. Uh, just to say, look at all these people that I've beat; these great champions in the past. You know, uh, Omega beats Brian Cage. You know, I, I beat this champion and this champion and this champion. And then when you get to the feud with Adam Page, you go, and what have you been the champion of? I have all these titles. I have, I've beaten all these champions. And you're just the hangman. The person who can't win the big one. And maybe you have hangman during this time also. Again, start going up in the rankings again, but then all of a sudden loses the big one that makes him the number one contender again. And you have him start winning some dark matches, some uh, rampage matches, and you build him up again. And then finally you get to that. And then finally, when you get to whatever anniversary or um, really big pay-per-view event, you have Adam page defeat Omega. I think that would be the better storyline. Um, but I, I could also see, like Roger said, um, with it going with it not going as smoothly as it has been maybe you do pull the trigger a little bit sooner just so that we can keep going um but also i don't know how how long other people are going to be willing to let their titles be on somebody in aew uh so truly the first belt that he should lose should probably be the aew title you would have to assume Darby Allen's getting a title shot here eventually, right? Like he had a pretty, I don't want to say dominant run, but he had a very long, successful run. Like he, he does seem like a logical contender at some right. degree. I, I don't know if he's a, like, I don't think all out Darby Allen versus Kenny Omega is a main event level match yet, 
but I do think that's a dynamite main event. Like that's a fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, dark. but I, I, you know, and I keep going back to this. I feel like let's say in two weeks, right? Jungle boy loses hard fought match. You have Kenny Omega and calling the God of pro wrestling. I feel like the pop of hangman, Adam page, just walking out and staring him down could be money. Like one of those moments really that kind of stone cold type pop. I don't know how much the crowd is in Jacksonville, but the idea that we're getting page versus Omega, the former tag team champions, you have Callis exactly what you said. This is the God of professional wrestling. This man has main evented, you know, NJPW. He's got four titles. What have you ever done besides being a drunken millennial cowboy and absolutely just bury page on the mic and page says, I'm the number one contender. I'll see you in Chicago. Because if he beats him, you know, you, you've got a megastar, in my opinion. I just, I really do think the time is now. Yeah, I totally agree. Andy, I got a question for you. If uh, we are able to secure tickets to All Out, uh, will you be on the edge of your seat if they happen to take each other on at that pay-per-view? Well, I've been thinking about that for a while. I, I, I think I would. I think it would be uh, fun to watch. I just hope that uh, they're... Uh, I, I just hope that they uh, are not going to uh, screw this up, like some things that, AEW, that WWE does. But, you know, uh, if they can make this storyline work, I do believe that then that's going to set AEW more apart from WWE because you would think that, okay, a guy going to different promotions and collecting all these belts, but then he goes back and puts people over and makes that champion even look stronger. Um, I, I just don't know. I... I, I, I will I will say like it'll 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 ninety nine percent I bet it'll be a great pay per view but it's just the uh, the aspect of uh, not not a I guess like the waiting is what uh, bothers me uh, so uh, but I guess eventually the waiting will go away. Uh, let me ask you guys a question because you brought up the WWE and it's something I never thought I would actually say. If I would have gone back in time and I say hey four years ago guys. Roman Reigns is going to have a better title reign than Kenny Omega. What would your reaction have been? I would have been like, yeah, right. So Roger's off the show now for making that nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I honestly, truthfully, and I'm not trying to just dog on Kenny Omega. I think Roman Reigns run as tribal chief has been than Kenny Omega as the God of pro wrestling. I just think Roman has done a better job. At this point, I would have to agree. Yeah. I mean, and it's not that Kenny Omega can't obviously pull out a six-star match way better, but I think the reign, the storyline has been way more interesting, which, you know, WWE doesn't even do great storylines, but it's just they kind of kept it simple, stupid. I think there's a lot of room to improve. You know, I'm I'm more frustrated with this because I expected greatness. And for the most part, they've delivered everywhere else. I think that's the thing that bothers me. It's one thing when Raw sucks. Raw sucks across the board. Like, I don't know if there's anything redeemable about it. NXT is pretty solid. SmackDown's pretty solid. AEW is, like, pretty good, except for they seem to cannot get Omega right. Like, we, I think we said this at Revolution. Everything else was fine. And then the main event was dumb. And then we say this is a double or nothing. It's, like, all good storylines, except for I don't love Pinnacle and Inner Circle. But this... Omega storyline, it's nothing has happened that'd be like that was must see TV. I do wonder, you know, and this I think goes into a larger conversation that we probably won't have right now, but the you know, allowing the artist to paint, but also like giving them a canvas that they have to paint in. So they can't be, you can't say like, hey, you have this giant, you can paint the entire earth. Instead, it's like you have this nine by nine square that you can paint in paint your best painting. And then the, the artist has to actually think about it and do their work in there. And I do wonder if like Omega has too much freedom where he's like, I'm just going to do whatever. Oh, this seems like it'll be fun. I'll just do this stuff where instead you don't have a Vince McMahon like character. Cause Tony Khan, while he has 
fantastic what he has been able to do to take on the E, uh, you know, in, in the capacity that he has. You don't have somebody with that strong enough personality to be like, look, I think that you have some really good ideas, but you cannot do all of them. You know, like you, you have to have that filter that goes through in order to come up with a really good idea. Because look, Vince Russo, as terrible of a person as he was for the WWF and WCW, I'm not saying Omega's Russo. First of all, let me just say that. I'm using as a comparison. What Russo having the Vince McMahon filter really helped out in order to get the attitude to where it was. Uh, and I think Omega, maybe like there's some of the stuff that he's doing that's a little, a little different. And Tony Khan's probably like, oh, yeah, go ahead and do that. Good, good. Yeah, you, you do you, you know. I was supposed to be like, you know what? The exploding barbed wire deathmatch, not so much. I don't think we need to do that. I think maybe we can hold off on that. Why don't we wait until we have a couple garbage wrestlers to do that with? Marco Stunt versus Joey Janela. You know, like that's what it should have been. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kenny Omega versus Marco Bro. Stunt. Bro. First off, if this were Vince Russo, that somebody's going to be on a poll. Um, <laughs> probably Judy Bagwell's mo- or Judy Bagwell. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually I think you do bring up a good point about like you know they're I believe them the Bucks and Cody are the executive vice presidents. I don't know if there's anybody else. <laughs> or I believe. I will say you know I like I've liked the Bucks storyline now, but I think we did talk about previously about their super kick party heel turn, but then turn back into faces and then finally decide to go heel didn't really hit well for me. I think all of us were kind of in the same ballpark of like, can you make this make sense? Cody storylines have been pretty hit or miss the MJF one. Great. Fantastic. Loved it. Don't know that. I love the storyline with Cody. Obviously I personally didn't enjoy the go-go storyline. Just didn't hit very well. The whole QT Marshall thing. I mean, that's just, I don't care. Uh, boring, but and maybe Omega is suffering from a little bit of the, you know, somebody kind of needs to tell you this isn't it. Like, you know, I look, the easiest storyline to book is, hey, I'm going to go into all these promotions. I'm going to win your championship. And then we're going to make me look awesome. And then eventually I'm going to put someone over. Like Austin Aries did it. The uh, Hardy Boys did it. Omega's doing it. So it's not an unprecedented thing. I don't even think it's a particularly bad idea because we haven't really had a heavyweight champion do that since like the territory area. But is this a plan that's is there a storyboard? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, did they plan this start to finish and they say, we know how this is going to end. Are they kind of just booking on the fly and changing dynamite, you know, or maybe his particular storyline? Cause it doesn't seem very well planned out. That That's the way I'm getting the feeling. It's just, they're kind of going week to week and kind of throwing something at the wall and hoping it sticks. I think there's an overall plan, but it's, it's the aspect of, and, and again, I think it is more of those along the lines of they are going to build up. And when, when or whoever it is that beats Omega will get that superstar push because they are the ones that gets to say this. So I think they have that insight of this is who we want. We have that person. We want them here. But they don't have the roadmap of how are we going to get there. So they have and the ending, but they don't know how to get we, we have the ending. We have the long-term booking aspect. We know what we want to do. But – how we're getting there we're starting to hit oh we got a flat tire up oh, we ran out of gas up oh, we, we we're having the difficulties getting to the end destination or it just didn't pop like we all thought it would like the big boom at the end of the elimination or the, the barbed wire match and you know what i i, I honestly i truly want to see uh, and I really wish they would release the video of what the explosion was supposed to be that they saw before the the pay-per-view just to be like look this is what we had but you know what the storyline didn't uh lean that way it was better to make fun of it than it was to um 
to to go and say, well, we had a great idea and it would have been spectacular. It just it just fizzled out. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that I do love about AEW is they're not they're more acceptable of taking their losses or their mistakes and making fun of them and rolling with it instead of, all right, we're going to ignore this again. Like who knows what we're going to do. So it's just AEW. They have the long-term booking. It's just a matter of, they need to, to have a little bit better steps, I think, or just, you know, things to go as planned (laughs) instead of the road bumps that they are facing. You know, I got to say one thing. I think the one thing that Kenny Omega should do before he loses the AEW championship, put over Mark, Marco Stunt. So that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at OffTheMark86. I want to thank Section 86 and 86 Productions for hosting and any of the podcasts. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time down and listening to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, see you in the ring.